In this episode, we sit down with Joseph J. Jordan, author of the British Empire of Magic and the Climber Race series of books, two very different trilogies which draw the reader into worlds of fantasy and fiction, set in the past and future, and bring to light social issues important in our present day lives. As well as discussing the books, we speak about sources of inspiration, tips for budding authors, and what's next for Joseph and his work. Joseph, welcome. How are you? I am fantastic, thank you. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I really liked your, um, I like the genre of books you're putting out. They're very different. I don't really read a lot of fiction, but um, why don't you introduce yourself first and we'll get into your books and what you're writing. Tell us about yeah, yourself. Yeah, sure. Thank you. And thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I'm Joseph J. Jordan, and I am the author, basically, of The British Empire of Magic and The Climber Race. Um, British Empire of Magic is about magic, obviously, <laughs> which is my first trilogy. And my second trilogy, which I'm working on book three at the, three at the moment, is The Climber Race, and that's centred around uh, climate uh, fiction in the year 2100. So that's basically me. What made you get into being an author? Because you sort of came to it relatively... I don't want to say late or recently, but it wasn't your first career. It wasn't your first path in life. What made you want to become an author? Um, I think as a child, I've always had a really uh, overactive imagination, although I hate that term. I, I think everyone has a great imagination. And I don't like the term overactive, but I definitely had a, a wild imagination when I was a kid. Um, I, I remember like creating worlds, fantasy worlds in my mind and then acting them out live. So I think my parents thought I was a bit weird and my, certainly their friends did, you know, watching their kid fly around the place in this make-believe world. <laughs> but obviously I grew up and I kind of needed to put my imagination somewhere because I kept that kind of imagination. Um, and I, I tried loads of different things, modeling, acting, and fairly like, successful in both, but they didn't really stick. Um, and then life happened, business happened, work. Um, and I never, never really had time to write a book, although it was something I always wanted to get out of my system as it were. Uh, but then, of course, COVID-19 hit and then everybody had time on their hands. So and I'm not the sort of person that likes to sit around doing nothing. I need to have something to occupy my mind. So I thought now's the best time. So, yeah, I think it was uh, February 2021. I started writing and I'm on my fifth number one bestseller. Yeah. And the first thing you wrote was the first part of your first trilogy, British Empire of Magic. Is that, that Correct. Right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did that go? So start, starting with that first, because you've written lots of things. So <laughs> how, how, how is that uh, process for you the first time writing? Um, well, it was a story that has been rattling around in my brain for a couple of years. And like I said, I've never really had the time to put it down onto paper and commit to it. Um, and I'm a bit funny like that. So I create the stories uh, just before I nod off to sleep normally, uh, or when I'm out on the bike uh, triathlon training. So I'm on the bike for four hours. So my brain is going round and round and round. So I started coming up, I originally came up with the idea of the, the baddie as it were. Um, and I, want, I centered the whole book around this individual that comes back into the lives of the goodies, if you like, um, and that, kind of span from there really. And I always wanted to create a story around magic, um, a hidden world. And uh, so it just kind of freewheeled into that. And then the protagonist who becomes Prince Jacob um, was very much centered around me because it was my first book I needed someone to really relate to. Um, arrogantly, <laughs> perhaps I may have based him a bit on me, but obviously later on he became his own character. So that's kind of how the British Empire of Magic started just as like a fleeting, character a baddie that started and then grew so let's take it a step back because you've got two trilogies one is the british empire of magic the other is the climber race 
Correct. In, in a nutshell, without giving away too much of the story, what is each one about? So the British Empire of Magic follows Prince Jacob, who's the protagonist. Uh, his mother is the queen of the British Empire of Magic. And the first book actually starts with chapter one, where her, the queen's father, who was king at the time, is uh, accused of killing a family, um, a mother and father and a young boy. And so he steps down from the throne and they, and they cover it up. And then we fast forward um, about 10, 15 years when the queen is on the throne, Queen Lorraine. And all of a sudden, all, everything's fabulously going well. And then all of a sudden there is some uh, trouble in one of the, in the White Islands, it's called. And it emerges that this individual comes back from Prince Jacob's past, one of his best friends, and he wants to take over the throne and of the British Empire of Magic. And a war basically ensues. Um, and it becomes a very painfully clear he also wants to wage a war on not just the magical world, but the, the human world, which is in a completely different area. So it's um, Prince Jacob's trying to basically find out that his mother's hiding something from him, which is the truth about his grandfather uh, being a murderer. And he holds his mother up very, very high, but now obviously he realizes that she's been lying to him. So that, that trust is kind of shattered and he is forced to take sides between his best friend and, and his mother and the stories that basically ensue. There's loads of different uh, side stories that happen. So yeah, that's why it's a trilogy. So you really get involved in it. So there's a bit of, bit of everything there, a bit of mm. Lord of the Rings type magical medieval world, bit of- uh, it's it's kind of set actually, yes, absolutely. The British Empire of Magic and the Magical World is very much set with how, how we would see it medieval, but running a parallel to that is uh, present day human history. So it's, it's completely separate because obviously they don't need technology, they have magic. Uh, so, yeah. And they're far superior to the humans in many, many ways. Uh, so yeah, so it's two worlds in one, I would say. So it gives everyone a, a taste of everything. <laughs> so uh, a magical world set in a Britain of the past. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it, and then it kind of goes on, you know, the, the French Kingdom of Magic comes into play and book two. Um, and then the American Republic of Magic is there as well. So it's, it, we go international with it, and uh, which is really exciting. I got to explore many different aspects. I love it. Yeah, the empire very British, the kingdom very French, and the republic clearly very American. Yeah, so that's, absolutely. That's yeah. <laughs> and we made I made the baddies American uh, in this. So <laughs> it was, yeah, so it's something a bit different, um, which I definitely got some interesting feedback from some certain people, but mainly good. <laughs> good. And the second the second trilogy is the climber race. Yeah, completely and different. Tell us what that's about. Yeah, that, I, that's something I was quite passionate about. So that's set in 2100 um, and it focuses on if we are on our current trajectory where we are right now, we're doing uh, about climate change and not doing enough where we're going to be in the 2100. And obviously that's quite a sobering, depressing thought. Uh, but I am targeting these books at the young adult children market. So I wanted to create a story that also educated people on climate change, but not being doom and gloom. So basically it takes a new approach on, I didn't want it to be that standard apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic climate, the world's disaster. And, you know, we're praying that technology, we're going to create a new sun and, you know, filter air and renewable energies and that kind of thing. I didn't want that. So the take was what could human beings do to evolve to our dying planet? And it follows the protagonist who is Isabel Hope in the first book. 
and she comes up with this crazy thing that is either that changes the human's evolution to help adapt to the dying world um but also we see in 2100 where uh, racism is gone and homophobia is eradicated. So there's some amazing positives there, but at the same time, we're seeing discrimination rear its ugly head again, because there's a new race of people that are better suited to live in our world. Plus there's us who are really struggling. So there's the fear that that new race is gonna take over and become a superior race. So it kind of follows that kind of thing of how we can adapt. You know, one of the questions I had for you was, how do you pick your genres? And with the second trilogy that you've you've developed, there's a lot of real world, you know, current issues that we're facing. So from that, it's kind of it kind of seems to me a bit obvious of how you sort of pick that genre. You just well, am I correct in thinking you just sort of looked at the current day issues and thought, what might the future be like uh, for that for that second genre? But what about the um, first genre you know what made you pick what made you pick it that's where you started what for the British Empire of Magic that kind of yeah, yeah. I was so I was uh, I struggled to read as a kid um in fact I, so I didn't go to school I had a bit of a different childhood uh, so I was homeschooled and I never went to college or university uh, so I don't have any degrees but I really struggled to read and I think I, I managed to just start reading about 12 or 13 and one of the things that sparked that love of reading and books was in, indeed Harry Potter and I lived in a place called Woody Bay uh, which was basically like a teeny tiny Hogwarts <laughs> so it was very conducive to one scene to learn to read this really cool story um, so I it was instantly it was the first book I ever read um, and it just sucked me into that fantasy world of magic and my it, my imagination loved it so I knew that the first book I was going to write was going to be centered around magic I loved how anything was possible uh, you could create a world where anything you wanted possible um, so that was basically where the inspiration came from I'm very inspired by JK Rowling and then later people like Philip Pullman comes along and C.S. Lewis of course, when I got really into reading, but without a doubt, it was it. I picked that genre as because of my childhood love of magic. Really, is it fair to say then, if we read the British Empire of Magic, we get a real glimpse into what makes you you? It sounds like it's very influenced by your upbringing. Yeah, it completely is. Uh, the protagonist, as I say, is basically based on me. Um, but I did that to sort of make life easier for myself. As I say, I wanted to be able to relate to the protagonist as much as I could. Um, but yes, there is loads of me in those books without a shadow of a doubt. Um, there's also the relationship that Prince Jacob has with his mother, the Queen, is very similar to my relationship with my mother. We're very close. Uh, so that was really easy to write about. And it really does come through in the uh, in the books. So one question I always have when reading fiction is where do authors have to go in their heads to sort of develop their stories? So it's obvious with the British Empire of Magic where you had to go to to develop that. That's kind of your life in in a certain sense. right? Sure. For the climber race, I know you've got a background in sort of environmental business. You've done a few yeah. different things. So you're very well aware of environmental issues. But where did you have to go to in your mind to develop that narrative of how the world might look in the future? Yeah, sadly, uh, not very far because I, I live on the southwest coast of the, uh, of the UK, so a place called Woolacoon. And um, one of the reasons it sparked me wanting to do this 
books because you know I go for a run on the beach and there's plastics being washed up on the beach all the time um, and also I'm really noticing our seasons blending in the UK um, you know we're not really having a winter so much anymore it's more of a like a spring autumn molded into summer and so the inspiration and the place I went to in my mind was very much today and just looking around because there is climate changes everywhere if you just look for it and we're just not doing enough so that kind of got me down a bit um so and then I, of course then I the research that came with it um and as I say unfortunately it was very easy to get into that headspace of where the world could be in 2100 because there's plenty of studies and research already done for me um so it's very sobering so it was actually in a lot of ways it was easier to uh get into a headspace than it was for my first trilogy because it's right in front of me for the climate climate change and you also touched on social issues in that book as in things like racism and classism yeah. and things of that nature so what about you know what about getting into how do you get into the space where you're able to write about those things again do you look at studies or something or no i think for me um i always find it sad how um racism and homophobia are quite similar with, with how it affects people um so I'm a, I'm a gay man myself so i've i've experienced that discrimination against me um and it's a horrible feeling that makes you feel like an outsider uh, when you're not you know you know maybe a bit different but um sadly that's the way the world is so i wanted to, when i was setting the books in year 2100 i had that hope obviously it's a sad thing about climate change but there is that positive thing like this is 70 odd years in the future and you'd hope by then that those uh, issues that we're currently having today and see every day, um, that they would not be issues anymore. Um, so it's more of a hopeful thing. Um, but as I say, it was for me, it was easy for me to relate to that kind of discrimination because I have suffered it myself. So tell me then, without giving away too much, is there a happy ending in that book or is there a sad ending in that book? Uh, it's both, I would say, because um, you get kind of connected to the characters. Um, and there is some definite sadness uh, that the, I'm, I'm currently writing the end of book three at the moment, which is where it will end. There will be no more continuations of the, that trilogy. Um, but yeah, it's, there's, it's sad and happy. It will leave the, uh, the reader uh, content, I would say, but also a sense of, of sadness. So what is it you're trying to get across in that book in particular? That you're writing the trilogy, you're, you're writing the end of the trilogy right now for the climate race. Yeah. Um, so when someone's read all three of those pieces what is it you want someone to have felt or understood hopeful uh is what i was going for that of course climate change is a bit doom and gloom but if we all do something to try and change it we can and that, that the message behind it is hope without a doubt i mean i a bit on the nose but i called the protagonist in the first book isabel hope because I really wanted to get that message across. I wanted to educate the young adults um, without them feeling like they're being bashed over the head about climate change, and that they've got to do this and got to do that and being preached to, because no one likes that. Um, no one wants to change their way of life. It's difficult, life's difficult enough as it is. Um, so I just wanted there to be hope and thinking that there are other people out there trying to help. And um, if I were to ask you the same question of the British Empire of Magic, what's the message you're trying to get across there, if any? Yeah, the, the thing that comes through for the British Empire magic all the way is that although there is truth shattered and love hurt, um, family bonds can uh, tend, you know, that strong family bonds between parents and also uh, lovers as well 
can really come through and you can rely on that real trust you can rely on people in the end they'll come through for you that's the kind of message that i wanted to get across with the british empire of magic so what's um i take it writing is something you're very committed to now having written five books six yeah. surely yeah i'm on the sixth um, <laughs> on your sixth um so having written on on your sixth book fairly close to finishing writing's very much part of your journey now where do you look for assuming you're going to be writing more books what yeah. kind of things are you looking for with regards to inspiration uh for, for, my, for my next project it's going to be a standalone novel that's going to revisit the british empire of magic because quite frankly i've had so many people ask me to continue the series um which is really humbling um so that is i i, I love those characters well i feel very attached to all the characters in it and there's I kind of left a lot unsaid that can we can go on with so for that finding the inspiration for that's gonna be really easy and I'm really excited about it but it's because it's going to be a standalone novel it's gonna be quite big um it's gonna be a lot of words it's probably gonna take me most of next year to write and hopefully for a next Christmas release um so yeah and, and writing is without a doubt something that I never expected that could actually be a sustainable career for me uh, so I'm, you know, I'm looking at currently changing the, the jobs thing and actually doing this full time because it's it's actually allowing me to do that. So, yeah, if I can keep writing for the rest of my life, then that would be amazing. <laughs> and, the, that, and, the readers, would, and the readers keep enjoying it. That's the key. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I think for so many of us, there's probably a lot of people out there um, who are sort of on that journey, similar to where you were at in 2020 and just trying to get their ideas together. I mean, for those people, do you have any advice for sort of budding authors? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, uh, as I said, I touched on earlier, I, I didn't go to school and I, so I don't have any degrees uh, to my name whatsoever. And uh, I always let that hold me back from writing because I don't have a degree in English or anything like that. I thought you need to have a degree in some kind of you know, literacy, literacy or something like that to be an author. And of course, when COVID happened, I had loads of time on my hands. I didn't tell anyone I was writing a book. But the, the biggest lesson I've learned with anything in life actually is don't let what society deems as, you know, what you, how, how you should succeed hold you back. And it really did hold me back. Uh, and I'm so pleased now at five number ones, I I've, I've, still don't have the qualifications in my name. So I think if you've got the story, just get it down on paper. Don't have to tell anyone, just get it down on paper and and move on and if and if you really like it then you know you can go down that self-publishing route or give it to a publisher but it's just getting it down on paper you don't have to tell anyone just do it <laughs> did, did you go down the self-publishing route or did you i did initially yeah absolutely right. um as i said i didn't tell anyone so i just put it out there i didn't want to tell my friends i just thought i even thought about doing it under a pseudonym so no one would know it was me <laughs> um but after i spoke to my mother and of course she's in the music industry and she and and she is very famous and so she, and she's under her own name she said you probably regret it if you do it under a pseudonym eventually uh because you want to take ownership of your work so um so i took her advice on that <laughs> and then at what point did you start working with others to sort of promote and get your work out there and, and do you have any advice for people in who, who are looking at working with others for the first time yeah, I think that's really uh, that's a really tough thing to crack because I was lucky because the first books kind of self-propelled themselves. Like more, it was word of mouth and people just started buying them, and so I had that kind of base to work off. Uh, so when I started looking for agents and things like that, and then actually asking Amazon to actually back me a little bit more, which which they have now fully backed me, um, I think 
that's the hardest thing to do but you've kind of just got to keep pushing to find agents uh, and you just don't you'll send up what two three hundred emails out and you probably won't get a hit back so you just got to keep pushing your pushing your covering letters out there and sell yourself it's it's can it, it can be a little bit demoralizing at times but no one else is going to sell you it's, you've got to do that so you just keep going for it <laughs> just like anything else because you used to run an environmental was it plastics business or it was non-plastic something in that area yeah so we st i started in clothing so um as in so it was a plastic free kind of packaging and everything like that and then we moved to a, um, a sustainable based pr uh, production line and then I sold that business and moved on to a food uh, gift business, uh, which I have with a business partner of mine, which is the first plastic free uh, food business, plastic um, hamper business in the United Kingdom. Uh, so I knew that for my next project business wise, that was, this was four years ago. I really wanted to do something that had a environmental side to it, um, not because it, because it was a USP or anything like that, it's because I for my own conscious as I said you seeing plastics wash up on the beach and I just couldn't in my own conscious start another business that didn't help the environment in some way uh so yeah I'm deeply rooted in that and it's a it's a very rewarding thing to see for people buying your products and knowing that it's no waste it's the same lessons essentially that you would learn in business and management though that sort of that grit determination you essentially the first step is I guess um, get your product together which in your case yeah. was a book so get your get your thoughts down on paper and yeah. then just push, push, push to try and get it out there and sell it. And yeah. I guess it sounds like it's, it's it's fairly, a few fairly simple steps. It's just all about determination when getting your first books out there. It really is. And um, it's that old attache, isn't it? It's don't be afraid to fail, um, which sounds so easy and everyone says it, but it's so, so difficult. And, and the hardest thing is believing in yourself. I think that's the hardest qualification to have in the entire world is that self-confidence. Um, I'm lucky I've got people around me that constantly back me. Um, but I do know what it's like when you're on your own as well. And so I think once you've got belief in yourself uh, and you push yourself and don't feel embarrassed by pushing yourself, um, then I think the sky's the limit. You know, you can just go for it. Do you think you're going to keep pushing down the sort of, how can I describe it? Uh, I want to call it magic, the magic genre, but obviously it's so much more than that. But since you've had such great feedback on the British Empire of Magic, magic um, do you think you're going to keep pushing down that route beyond the next year and just maybe specialise in that? Or do you think you'd want to write about so many different things? I definitely have other stories that are completely different in the all fictional, obviously. Um, and so that I've always, my, I've always got plenty of stories that are just sort of rattling around the back of my head. And I will uh, do different stories at some point um, but for next year I'm, I'm going to be so con concentrated on continuing the British Empire of Magic uh, novel um, so that's where my headspace is going to be at and once I've got that finished undoubtedly 2024 will be a completely different story. Do you think you'd ever turn them into anything beyond books, plays, yeah, I anything like that? Yeah, we've actually got some interest already from the British Empire of Magic, uh, but these like, <laughs> like uh, as for a movie or a TV series, um, but it's like anything in that world, it takes, my agent said it, it could be a year before we even get around a table and discuss it, but there is interest there, which is very humbling, uh, but I'm putting that out of my head because that's too exciting to think about <laughs> or hope for. <laughs> It, it can be, can't it? I mean, you've obviously got some immediate projects that you need to focus on. So I can imagine thinking about other things might might detract. So as an author with, you know, five, six books out there, what is it that you want to um, 
not not get across to people we've already spoken about that but is there a is there a note you essentially want to want to finish on i think what i learned with uh so the british empire of magic has an lgbtq character two characters in it and i think i unknowingly came across um something that affected readers uh in such an important way and it's something i got out of it what i was completely not expecting or planned for and it's something now I want to create much more in my writing is to do that inclusion. So I think that my ultimate goal, if you like, would be that every book I write can at least help one person feel like they're not alone. And if I can do that, then I think that's more important than how many thousands of copies of books you sell. I think it's actually making a difference in someone's life. I've seen that firsthand with my mother's music when she's out on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people and the genuine emotion that you see in the audience, crying, laughter. Um, that's an incredible power to have um, and it's it always humbles you so I think if I can have that kind of ability and continue because I had a direct message from someone that helped them come out to their family because of Prince Jacob uh, in the book if I can continue touching people like that then like I said that's more important than any amount of books sold and that's probably the ultimate goal is to continue doing that that is quite a powerful thing being able to do that mm. definitely if people want to find you, where can they find you and find out more about you? Yeah, I am on everything, as you can guess. Um, the best way to find me is actually just Google me, uh, Joseph J. Jordan, and all the social media feeds are there. It's uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, mm. TikTok, all of that. Um, and so it's Joseph J. Jordan official or just Joseph J. Jordan, and you'll find me. And all my books are uh, exclusive to Amazon. Joseph, thank you very much, and we look forward to the continuation of your work. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.